the title of today's message, of course, is What is Truth? So we're going to start in John 18, verse 33. And it said, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest this thing of yourself, or did others tell it to you of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and thy chief priests have delivered you unto me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from here. Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and said unto them, I find no fault. If you see, that's where I got the message of my title, What is Truth? Because Pilate asked this question to Jesus, but he did not stick around to find out. Pilate didn't want to know what truth was. And if you read in Matthew's account of this, Matthew actually says that his wife sent word to him saying, don't have anything to do with that righteous man, for I suffered many things in a dream of him this day. Amen. But Jesus said the reason he came was to bear witness unto the truth. Pilate's reply to him, what is truth? The world's idea of truth is there is no absolute truth. That all truth is subject to what you believe. So if you believe something, to you it's true. That doesn't even make sense. What if your truth contradicts my truth? Who's right? Only one of us can be right when you're talking about truth. See, we believe that there is an absolute truth, and that truth is found in the Word of God. And Jesus said the reason he came into the world was to bear witness to the truth. In contrast of the world versus the Christian, the Christian is, I came to testify unto the truth, and the world is still asking to, to this day, what is truth? Amen. Let's see what Jesus had to say that truth was. We're going to find it in John chapter 17, verse 16. Amen. And he says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. That word sanctified, literally in the Greek it means to be made holy. Okay? Jesus is, saying, is praying unto the Father in John chapter 17, and he says, Make them holy through your truth. And then, in his next words, he tells us what that truth is. He says, your word is true. So Jesus says, to make us holy through your truth, and then he's praying to the Father, and he says out loud, your word is true. Amen. Jesus also said that he is the truth, the life, and the way. And no one can come unto the Father unless he draws them. Amen. 
But listen to what it says in John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Here we have Jesus saying that the Word of God is truth. We heard him say that he is the truth, the life and the way. And here he's calling the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. And then listen to what it says in John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, he says it again, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Amen. We're going to read that again. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Before I had received the Holy Spirit, in a minute I'll get into when the time I actually did receive the Holy Spirit. But before I had received the Holy Spirit, I had worked at Motorola probably for about a year. And then this married woman started working there too. Over time, I ended up getting involved with her, and she was married, and I kept this up probably for like a year. The Bible says that when the Spirit of truth has come, He shall guide you into all truth. So without that truth residing in my heart, and without anyone to guide me, I guided myself. And the devil was very, very happy to appease my flesh. Amen. And... uh I kept this up for a year, and then me and my brother were living in Harvard, and my mom was, uh, my brother just had his daughter, Elena, and my mom wanted to move out there. She lived in Michigan. She wanted to move out there to be closer to us, but when she moved out, the places for rent in that area were so expensive that she actually went over the border to Wisconsin in Beloit and got a house there, and I ended up moving in with her. And then they started attending this little church called Liberty Christian Fellowship where Pastor Mark was the assistant pastor. This is probably 14, almost 15 years ago, way before I met Heather. And she used to come, come home and, you know, ask me to go to church with her and stuff. And, you know, I, the way I was living, I knew it was wrong, but I had no power to change it. I had no power to change that. And one day... I think she made biscuits and gravy, and she invited Brother Mark over. And, you know, Brother Mark's faithful. Praise God, he was minding his own business. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but he came over, and I think I was upstairs or something, and I came down, you know. Uh, my pastor was a preacher, so I have utmost respect for preachers, you know. I was a heathen, but I still had respect for God and the things of God. I sat down, we ate breakfast, I sat on the couch, Mark came, sat down, you know, just started talking to me. Time was actually the first time we actually talked, and then from there on, you know, he just had a love that I didn't see everywhere, a concern that you just don't see outside of your own family. That drew me to him, and during that time, he was, he was actually in full-time ministry during that season. So God really used him, and he'd come and he'd play basketball with me probably a couple times a week. So I started going to church, and I was still seeing this married woman, I was still doing all the things that I normally do, except now i got a desire to serve God, but I don't know how. It's like everything in me wants to serve God, but 
everything outside of me keeps me attached to the things of the world. <laughs> I didn't know how to break that cycle. And I remember one time I, I worked for a place called Underground Construction. I'd have to drive two hours in the morning to work and then work digging holes for, I think, 10 hours a day. And then I'd drive two hours back home. Well, I decided to go to church. And uh, I was still dirty. I had all my stuff on. I came to church, and uh, my cousin Jesse was there, you know. He came with me. He was living with us at the time. And I remember that they gave an altar call. I don't remember. This is before I received the Holy Spirit. I don't remember what the altar call was, but I remember that I went up there. And when I got up and came back to my chair, I got back on my knees on my chair. And I felt so clean. And I literally asked God, and I meant it with all my heart, to kill me now. I honestly felt like I had no power to live this life. I knew what to do. I just didn't know how to do it. Mark was very patient with me. He was. I don't even remember if he knows how patient he was with me. But he was extremely patient. He was. Amen. And uh, this is probably about two months later. I remember one day. This is the day I received the Holy Spirit. Mark's preaching. It's to be like an hour. And I'm thinking, man, come on. You know, I'm serious. I, I, and then I, I swear it hit almost the two hour mark and I was so mad, but I was sitting over by where Marty's sitting and I didn't want to get up and walk and have to walk all the way out. And he finally gets done and he says, I'm going to give an altar call. And in my heart, I remember this like it was yesterday because of the significance of it. I remember saying in my heart, you can't give an altar call after preaching two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually mad and I got up at that point I didn't care about anybody else at that point I wanted to leave you know I got up and to go out of our old church you would have had to take a left if you take a right you go to the altar my full intention was to take a left and leave it really was to this day I mean now I know but then I didn't know I'm like what in the world just happened I was going to make a left out the door, and I made a right to the altar. Amen. Mark came and prayed over me. Brother man, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember. You put one hand on my back and one hand on my chest. And you started praying that I would receive the Holy Ghost uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I think. I didn't speak in tongues. But I started shaking so bad, and I couldn't stop crying. I don't know how long I was there, but when I got home, my mom, I think she was already done making lunch, and, and she left at the time where the normal service would have got out. Amen. But I was crying so profusely that I couldn't stop. I got up, I, I got in my car, started driving home. I'm crying the whole way, trying to wipe my eyes, and I'm like, what is going on? You know, I get home, and, and I'm, I mean, not a little bit. I'm crying so heavy. And my mom said, what in the world is wrong with you? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I can't stop crying. And they had a foyer in the front, and I went and laid down on my face. I don't know how long I was there just weeping before the Lord, not even really knowing why. But that day marked my life, and I called that woman, and I told her to meet me at a park in Beloit. Well, no, she called me and she wanted to see me. And I told her I'd meet her at a park in Beloit. You know, I didn't want her coming to my mom's house. So uh, I met her down there and 
I got out and got into her car and she said, uh, well, no, I said, I said, you know, I, I can't see you anymore. And she said, well, why not? And I said, because we're going to go to hell, you know? And see, that, that was my mind state then. Because previous to that, I had no power. I had no power to make the right decision, even though in my heart I really wanted to. I just didn't have that power to live it out. So I told her, because we're both going to go to hell, and she said, well, at least we'll be there together. And I said, no, no, we won't. And <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and that was the last time I had ever seen her. Amen. How be it when the Spirit of truth is come, the Bible says that He will lead you and guide you into all truth. He's the one that enables us to walk out this life that God has already made for us. He's the power when we feel weak. He's the one that picks us up when we want to quit. He's the one who tells you you can go another mile when you don't feel like you can go another step. He already sees the predetermined outcome that God has already set aside for your victory. And he knows that if you won't give up, Satan has to. Amen. That's why the Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. A good fight is a fight that you win. You've heard it over and over and over again. The good fight of faith. Amen. Without the Holy Spirit, all these truths are just truth. The Holy Spirit is what enables us to apply the truth. He leads and guides us in all truth. See, I knew that it was wrong to be sleeping with a married woman, but I had no power within myself to overcome this temptation. Mark and Val cooked me dinner on a Sunday. I went over there and I started eating and she called and I left. But do you know what? Mark didn't condemn me. <laughs> You're talking about the prayers that people prayed for you that made it such an easy trip for you and an anointed trip for you and everything went so smooth. Well, I've had people praying for me like that my whole life. When I was in Michigan, literally all we did is drink. And I was 17, 18. I was living with my buddy and my mom lived in Lake Delton and... It's like from Beloit to Kenosha. So when I wanted to see her, and I didn't feel like driving out to Lake Delton, which is Beloit to here, I would go to church with, to see her at her church. And her church was literally like 10 minutes. They drove all the way from like we do, from Beloit to here, they drove all the way into Kalamazoo to go to church at a place called uh, Pastor Davison's. And... Uh, Great man of God, great man of God. But the times that I would want to see her, I would go and show up at church. It wasn't often, maybe it was like once every three months, four months, you know, uh, just when I felt like, you know, I should go see my mom. And I don't care if I was up partying till six o'clock in the morning, because that's what we did. I would get up, get dressed, and go show up at her church. You know that every time I came through the door, she would break down crying, raising her hands to God, praising God that I was there. I wasn't there for God. <laughs> I wasn't. But you know what? She had a promise in her heart. 
And because she believed that one day I was going to get saved, when she seen that, it caused all that joy and emotion and thanksgiving to God to rise up in her. Amen. And now she sees me as a, a preacher, an evangelist, an assistant pastor. Amen. She sees me walking in her prayers that were prayed 15, 16, 20 years ago. Amen. I'm walking in those prayers right now. Amen. It, it's the grace of God. She could have gave up, though. She could have said, he's made his own bed. He's going to lie in it. He's an adult now. She never did. Do you know the worst decisions in my life? I never was ashamed to go home. <laughs> never. Never. Never felt like I was going to get beat up when I got home. I don't care what I just did. When I came home to my mom, I never felt like I was going to get beat up. And the reason why people stay away from churches and droves is because they feel like if they come home, somebody's going to beat them up. Because <laughs> they know they've been doing wrong. Amen. But when we, like her, stand in a place of faith for them, amen, we can see them walking in our prayers. Amen. That's one thing my children will never experience. When they make the wrong decision, they will never feel like they can't come home. And the worst decision they could possibly make, I could say, what were you thinking? They will never be ashamed to come home. Amen. Amen. The spirit of truth that leads us and guides us into all truth. Amen. Amen. God is so faithful. Amen. We're actually going to get into truth. Since we know as Christians that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and we know that the Word of God is true, and we know that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truths, then we have to establish and let God's Word have the final authority in our lives as truth despite all circumstances or situations. Because circumstances and situations will rise against you. And most people look at those and they say, well, this is the truth. I could never say that I'm healed when I feel sick. I'd be lying. And the truth is, is that you are sick. But there's a higher truth to that. And the higher truth is, is that that sickness has no right to remain in our bodies. Amen. Amen. Because we are the establishing witness with the will of God. Amen. Amen. We are the ones who choose whether to walk it out or whether to cast it aside. Sickness is a big deal in the church. Whether you should be healed or whether you shouldn't be healed. Some people think it's true that, yeah, maybe you should be healed. Or, well, because this guy was serving the Lord with everything he had and he got sick Obviously, he was serving God, and God's in control of all things, so obviously it's the will of God for him to be sick. One of the biggest lies the devil has ever told the church. Amen. 
Because it's not easy. I'm not saying at all that it's easy to stand in the face of any adversity, whether it's financial, physical, uh, emotional, whatever you're going through or have gone through. I'm not saying that it's going to be an easy thing to stand in the face of that adversity and say, I refuse to accept this in my body or on my life. I choose to go with the Word of God. It has to be literally lived by faith. You have to accept it by faith. And the thing is, is that people say, oh, faith is so powerful. And indeed it is, but faith is not power. Okay, it's like an outlet in your house. And you plug this in and it lets all this power of electricity out. Mess around and not pay your light bill one time. You'll find out that that outlet was not the source of power. That it was connected to a higher power which fed it. And the thing is, is that the reason why people don't experience the power of God into their lives is because our faith is only meant to be plugged into one thing and run off one thing. You can plug it into anything, but when you plug it in to the power, then it becomes powerful. But faith is not power. Amen. God is power, but God is love. And it's because of that love that he would choose to use that power. And when we put our faith and trust in the truth of his word, what is truth? His word is truth. And we've been made holy through that word. When we put our faith into that socket that's running off the power of God, then we literally have the opportunity to tap into the life of God. Amen. Sickness. Let's deal with this because it needs to be dealt with. Because if the word of God is truth, and I feel an ailment in my body, what do I first align myself up with? See, we're the establishing witness, okay? I have to read out of Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 17 real fast. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. So it says that God called those things that be not as though they were. So the reason why Abraham was, a, that his faith was accredited to him as righteousness because God said that he was going to be the father of many nations and then he turned around and said, I am going to be, I am the father of many nations. In the face of adversity, in the face of Sarah being, I mean, not able to to have children and her womb not able to produce that fruit. He had to stand in the face of adversity and say that. Looking at all the circumstances, looking at everyone else telling them that that's foolish. You change your name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham literally means father of many nations. Before you have any children, it's obscene. Unless you're plugged into something that is higher than you. And Abraham plugged in to the truth of God's word and he aligned his words with what God said. See, and he's the example of our faith. He's the father of our faith, the Bible says. Even in the New Testament it says that. That he's the father of our faith. So if he's the father of our faith, then obviously he had the example that we should follow. And that was the example that our words, when we speak, we have the choice to either align them with God or align them with the circumstance. And whatever you choose to align your words with, I can guarantee you is what's going to overtake your life. Whether it's you're believing for healing or if you're believing for sickness, that is what's going to overtake your life. Amen. It's just a principle that God had put into effect. But Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our report? 
That means when you've heard something, and here it's asking who has believed our report, that means you heard the report. And then it says, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, if you know anything about the arm, it's the strength of man or of God. So it says, who is the strength of the Lord revealed? And then it says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. That word griefs right there in the King James Version, very bad translation. Praise God. They were doing the best they could, but when I read griefs, I didn't see sickness in griefs. I'm thinking griefs. But then you go and look it up, and the word is actually choli. It means anxiety, which means you don't have to be anxious about anything. The Bible says be anxious about nothing. Amen. And then it says calamity which means literally means sudden destruction, calamity. You don't have to be worried about sudden destruction. And then it says disease, and then grief, and then sickness. They chose grief in there. <laughs> I would have chose another word. <laughs> but at the time, I guess it was important. Praise God for different translations now. Amen. So it says, surely he has borne our sicknesses griefs, sorrows, anxieties, amen, and carried our sorrow. Sorrow literally means anguish, and then grief, pain, or sorrow. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That is probably one of the most famous scriptures on healing that I've ever read in the Bible because anytime any of us are ever sick, that's what I go to right away. I go to that. Heather was coming down with the flu one time. She woke up, she felt like she was going to throw up, and we had gotten in this routine that whenever there was sickness, I had all, I, I still do, I have all the verses on health marked in my Bible and healing, I know right where to go, and she said, will you please get up and get the Bible and, and start reading the scriptures over me and proclaiming them over me, and I said, yeah, and she got up, we lived in a different house at this time, and she sat in this little seat in the corner, and uh, I read the scriptures over her. We went through and prayed, and then she worshiped for like an hour. She felt sick that whole time. She felt like she was going to throw up. She stopped worshiping when all those symptoms left. You know how easy it would have been for her just to lay in bed? I'm talking about aligning yourself with the truth. And the truth is that he himself bore your sickness and carried your diseases. The Bible says that God's word is truth. And we are that establishing witness to the truth. Amen. I'm going to read Psalms 103 real fast. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. David is literally talking to his own soul. And I believe David... He wrote this, but I believe he's saying it out loud. Because when I say these scriptures, I say them out loud because I need to hear them. 
Amen. The Bible says, actually David said, I think it's in Psalms 119, that the entrance of your word brings light. Amen. When the truth is revealed to you, then you have the light to see. And it used to be, before you received the Holy Spirit, that you had light to see, and you knew it was wrong. But then, God said, I wouldn't leave you as orphans without a father. He said, I'm going to send you a comforter, the spirit of truth. And he said that that spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. So now, not only do we have the name of Jesus, which Jesus is the truth, we have the spirit of truth, which leads and guides us into all truth, and we have the truth of the word of God. So what used to seem like it would be impossible to stand in the face of adversity and say what God says when every situation seems against that, now it's actually doable. Amen. And we can experience the victory in our lives because the Word of God is truth and the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you into those truths and the name of Jesus is truth and Jesus himself is truth. Amen. Amen. You have the truth living and residing inside of you. Amen. So when disease knocks on your door, you can remember and you can say, just like David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. See, in the moment of sickness, you will have to stir yourself up on your most holy faith. You'll have to. Because every single bone in your body will feel like complaining and rolling over and playing dead. <laughs> it will. It absolutely will. But when you stir yourself up in your most holy faith, and the Bible says praying in the Holy Ghost, but remembering that the Word of God is the final authority with any situation you're dealing with, then you can say confidently like David, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then listen, forget not all His benefits. Listen, His benefits... The things that God has and the thing, everything that God is now is available to you. Amen. And there's a reason why we have access to those benefits. And it's because he himself bore our sickness and carried our diseases. And by his stripes, we've been made whole. Those stripes are what gave us access to the healing which he provides. That's a benefit that you have just by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. And listen what he says. Who forgiveth all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems your life, my life, from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Amen. Anytime you read scripture, read it in first person. David's speaking this. He's speaking this over you. Amen. He wrote this prophetically, and we read it now and all these generations later. And it's not God's word to random people. It's not God's word to the whole earth. It's God's word to his children. And you're his children. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been born again. You're born into the kingdom of God. Amen. And you have benefits because you've been born again. Amen. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. These are his benefits. You never have to walk in deception. Because if you have received the Holy Spirit, you've literally tapped into the life force of God. 
you've connected yourself with God. And then when we operate and use our faith, faith then becomes powerful only because it brings out the power of the life of God. That's our connection point with it. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to bring your word. We give you praise. We thank you for today. And I bless your people in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.